a Radio 191 FM podcast. I'm here with Sarah. How are you, Sarah? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. So you and two other professors with the University of Otago recently, recently published a study that was about the idea of good farmers and the national the new national policy of was it management? Freshwater management. Freshwater management. Yep. I suppose to start off is maybe as well as you can give a brief overview of what the national policy is. Sure. Um, kia ora. So this was a small piece of research that three of us carried out. So as myself, um, I'm in the management department and I my speciality is around sustainable business. Um, Dr Victoria Kahui, who's in economics, who does a lot of stuff around um, environmental economics, and um, Associate Professor Janice Lord from Botany, um, who's doing a lot around um, restoration and wetlands. So Janice has been talking to a number of um, farmers, particularly in the um, Maniatoto area, and they'd been talking about, I guess, some of the um, consequences of the new um, freshwater policy statement. And she started to realise that some of these were actually not going towards being as environmentally friendly, I guess, is what the policy statement wants. So the policy statement is really about um, trying to improve our freshwater quality across um, the motu and Aotearoa. And so it has things like um, reporting requirements, um, mandatory fencing, um, restrictions on the development of feedlots, um, restrictions on location and duration of winter forage crops. Um, so it, um, not fertiliser use as well and um, tighter restrictions on farm intensification. So again, really trying to get at this, um, I guess, a strong productivity um, aspect that's been going on in our farming community um, and actually bring in some environmental aspects. But what she was finding in talking to farmers that they were saying, well, actually... This isn't going to be realised in the way that perhaps this policy statement wants to realise the environmental benefits. And that made us start looking at that and talking to some farmers about what that might mean. And something that has come up is the idea of a good farmer. Do you think you can explain what a good farmer is in this context? Okay, so um, a good the good farmer sort of concept is one that's been used... Um, around the identity of farmers used to help explain how farmers see themselves, their role in relation to the land. These were questions that we were starting with our farmers anyway and so so when we looked across the data it was really interesting to see that they actually started to talk about good and bad farmers and bad farmers in particular that made us sort of like go oh and understand that in relation to this identity. So the concept's been used for quite a number of years. It originated actually here in Aotearoa with some theory um, and some of uh, actually through there's an Otago link with that with um, Prof Hugh Campbell as well from the Centre for Sustainability. So it was nice to be able to tap into that and look at how that discourse of a good farmer has been shifting and how that's shifted from actually being um, around a lot of social good um, to a strong productionist type of mentality to now shifting towards actually being economically prudent around being good in your community and also having that environmental aspect in farming practices as well. So there's, there's tensions between that, but that's the general gist of, a, of the good farmer identity. And do you think, you mentioned about the um, being also environmentally sound, do you think that goes against what seems to be like a general public opinion that farmers are very you know, anti-environmentally friendly and they're very like, you know, they're the ones responsible for a lot of this thing? Do you think that 
from your research that that directly goes against that public opinion and that farmers actually are very conscious of the environment? Yes, yeah. I think that there's um, a strong... I guess public discourse, or you know, that mm. we we ban farmers all to be bad mm-hmm. and or all to be the same. And what our research is trying to say is they're not all the same. So let's not try to treat them all the same. And they're dealing with these tensions in their practices. Um, so they don't always get it right around you know production, mm-hmm. um, environmental and social. But that's what they're thinking at the moment is this shifting notion of a good farmer, and and they're understanding that in their everyday practices. Yep. And do you, do you believe that the these good farmers or the farmers the, was it nine farmers that you consulted? Do you, did they address that they felt that they were, I suppose, underrepresented or underconsulted regarding this policy? Is that something you can speak on? Yeah, so definitely that was one thing that came through as well with the participants was that they felt they weren't consulted, and and that was when they felt like they didn't have a voice. Which is kind of really hard when you're seeing policy come in that might not make sense in your landscape, because mm-hmm. um, there's what they call blanket rules, so very opposed, and not being able to actually have a voice in that process as well. So yeah, they um, definitely they they felt greater consultation for across farmers and different landscapes would have been really useful. Yeah, so I suppose it's one thing because farms in Central Otago would be vastly different to one in the North Island, for example. And is that, I guess, a consequence of this whole idea of um, all farmers are the same, all farmers have the same kind of outlook and stuff, where a farmer in the North Island could be could view something much different from one, say, in central Otago? Yeah, exactly. And we spoke to, you know, farmers in Otago, mm-hmm. and they often got, you know, dry landscapes, very steep mm-hmm. gullies, um, quite different to the rolling flat plains of, mm-hmm. of different areas of Southland and areas in the North Island as well. And... Are there? Did the farmers speak on any of the consequences of any of this new management on their rural communities? So, yeah, so there's consequences, I guess, and some of the unintended ones that we saw were particularly around some aspects might not be so environmentally friendly, and mm-hmm. that caused them tension, obviously, and, you know, trying to be good farmers. So, um, you know, just a little one was like having to move the stock off the farm mm-hmm. due to some of the rules and have the stock much further away and having to drive every day to go and see the stock. So just things like that. Other things were people just saying, well, if we've got these big things around our wetlands, we may just end up draining our wetlands because that would be easier. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we don't want to yeah. see. So that was probably the biggest thing that got us involved with the project when a farmer said that to Janice. And we went, oh, hold on a minute, there's something going on here that that's a reaction. The farmer didn't do that, by the way. Mm-hmm. But it was just sort of like, I'm getting to the end of my tether, which is Probably another symptom that we saw as well was the sort of mental health and mm-hmm. farmers talked about the struggle with increasing compliance, increasing compliance that didn't make sense on their farm um, and you know just the sort of I guess with the lack of consultation, the lack of voice just didn't see much of a future in farming and that mm-hmm. was the kind of quite I guess the sad aspect of our research. Did you find anything about rural communities as a whole that maybe the farmers talked about? Maybe the policies is affecting the entire community rather than just the farmers themselves? Um, not so much in this, but I did um, a piece of research I did earlier to this with farmers um, as well around um, the Oceana gold mine. Mm-hmm. They definitely talked about them, 
getting quite worried about the sense of community. Mm-hmm. Um, and community is really focused in around the schools mm-hmm. um, and um, dwindling school roles, less farmers coming into the area, um, less intergenerational farmers. We were causing real well, issues around how many people there would, or students there would be in the school. And that mm-hmm. was a real source of um, attention across all the farmers I spoke to in that research so probably not so much in this one we didn't ask those questions but definitely in the earlier so I definitely think it is sitting there Did that idea of intergenerationality did that come up in regards to this one like perhaps these these policies might be scaring away their children or grandchildren away from going into farming if it seems like it is becoming more and more hard to be a farmer? Yeah, definitely. And that's what we heard from a number of farmers, like, why would my children want to, mm-hmm. you know, take this over? Um, so, yeah, that, we spoke to a number of intergenerational farmers, which, again, when we think about the wider spectrum of farming, we need to remember that they are quite a significant group here in mm-hmm. Aotearoa, um, yeah. and they're quite different from our industrial farmers. So that's where we want don't want that one-size-fits-all. But, yeah, definitely they were talking about the... Um, the, I guess that notion of despair there, what's next and, and what are we passing on to our children. Mm-hmm. And what would the future for national policy statement on, for freshwater management, what would, be the future, what would the future look like for these farmers? Um, well, I guess we're already seeing a couple of amendments, probably not amendments that would necessarily... Um, make much of a difference to them but I I think it's just probably um, frustration is probably Mm -hmm. what we'll see from from what we heard from these farmers I would say it will mostly be around frustration interesting the government at the moment is consulting on biodiversity credits Mm -hmm. so um, I think that's uh, we've got to start looking at some positive aspects of our farming here in Aotearoa mm-hmm. and biodiversity is a really positive way that we can start um, framing and helping farmers create value mm-hmm. through some of these different um, things that they're having to do so um, at the moment there's not much value from having biodiversity on your productive land but mm-hmm. actually we need to create a way for that biodiversity to have some um, value economic, socially and environmentally mm-hmm. and then I think you know we start to change the um, the way from it always being a, a negative what we can't do to what we can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And finally, do you believe that this shows that better cohesion is needed between farmers and the government? That this shows that more consultation is needed to support farmers and not implement blanket policies across the entire country that greater maybe local government consultation or just in general consultation with the government between farmers from these really rural communities. Do you think that is now needed going into the future? That's what our farmers would have liked. Yeah. And there's you know, there's really good catchment groups that operate mm-hmm. and work quite nicely with local councils. So I guess the, it's there. It's just tapping into those networks and working at those different levels and creating um, those ne- those particular groups to have a voice as well in the process. So mm-hmm. definitely our farmers would like that. Yeah. That was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.